My name is Aram. My name is Dylan. We can't tell you our last names, or even what city we are in. If we did, they could find us. And that would be the end of this show. We're sending this message so that more people can learn the truth. Maybe then, somehow, the human race can survive until the Andalites return and rescue us. Until then, we will be discussing each book in the Animorph series as I read them for the first time. And I'll be guiding this journey as I reconnect with stories I read a long time ago. Welcome to Podspeak. know who the predator is and not sure who that refers to actually in this book we'll do the walkthrough of the plot talk a little bit about it and then we'll see if we can piece it together but this is our first marco book yes and again every time we get a little bit more of marco i like him a little bit better and especially this time where you get to see his specific point of view it is the least jokey marco you get because you get all the context of all of the fear that goes into every one of those jokes that he makes really undercuts the funny man persona. I am 100% with Marco now. I did a complete right. flip in this book. I was like, Marco is kind of a dick and kind of a bummer. And then I was like, you know what? Marco's right. I can see where Marco would, would want to mm -hmm. leave the team. And then by the end of it, I'm like, I am 100% on Marco's side. We start off with Marco uh, living in sort of a shittier part of town, going to pick up some groceries at 7-Eleven. You know, trying to be quiet, just keeping a low profile. And basically, he sees uh, an old man get mugged in an alleyway. So he does what any good Animorph would do. He turns into a gorilla and fights the muggers, only to realize that if a gorilla comes out of nowhere and beats the shit out of a crowd of people, it's terrifying. One of the muggers had a gun. The old man picked it up and was, like, shooting at Marco because... Wild gorilla attack, the man was terrified. Completely terrified for logical reasons. Yeah. Two great things here. One, we're back to Kay Applegate punishing someone she doesn't like, which in this case are alleyway muggers that don't exist. Fair. There are no alleyway muggers. This is something that people who don't live in cities believe in. But I also, if you're going to punish someone, an alleyway mugger is a fair choice. If you're going to pick someone to send an ape to basically nearly kill. Okay, that's where I would say, yeah, maybe maybe we're overshooting a little bit, but... But if it's three alleyway muggers beating the shit out of some old man who's just trying to get home with his pension, sure, send in the gorilla. You know, they do the reconvene, they do the post-mortem of, hey, I tried to help this old man and everyone shot at me. It was very rude. And the entire team going like, listen, I see why you did it, but also please stop turning into a gorilla and fighting people in alleyways. It's a bad call. He full up talked about being a superhero. He was like, yeah. this is literally a superhero. And he also absorbed like three bullets, which an ape could probably do from a pistol. So it was like a, it was an intense little scene though. I mean, he threw a half ton, he hit someone with a half ton dumpster. Like if they did live and he wasn't sure, he's nope. like, I think they'll be okay. 
<laughs> There's a certain level of just like, if you were three years older, you wouldn't have done this. Or maybe not. Look, look, maybe Marco's just in that in that place. Like, look, you know, my life has been really effing hard and you are the kind of assholes who make it worse for people like me. I don't care that I hit you with a half ton dumpster. No, that's what I'm getting at, though, is like Marco's current perspective. Like from what it says in the book, at least is divorced from his situation. It is the the almost child. I'm a hero. I have superpowers. I should intervene. You're absolutely right. If he was like 17 or 18, then we might get full dark vigilante. But that'd still be a very different scene. Yeah, absolutely. It would be. He would have been more careful. He would have known what he was doing. He would have had or less careful. But either way, it still would have read very, very differently. Either way, pulling out a gorilla in the city is going to bring trouble. Yeah. However, that is not where our trouble begins. Our trouble begins because the Animorphs have been talking to Axe, and Axe has decided rather than fighting in the war against the Yerks, he just wants to go home. Fair. Axe is a child. Which is also fair, but then their plan is to steal a Yerk spaceship, which he thinks he can drive. Yeah. It's gonna be fine, people, okay? This book is one bad plan after mm-hmm. another that just gets to the point where they're just on inertia and and there are no good plans anymore and they are just making terrible decisions. No, but I think that's true of everything they've done to this point. And you and I actually talked about this a little bit before we recorded, but if everything you do goes poorly. And if in retrospect, you look at all my your ideas and you're like, God, every idea I have is stupid. Then when you have an idea and your knee jerk reaction is, well, this is a stupid idea. Nothing in your brain is going to tell you to not do it. But here's the thing. They have already learned some of these lessons. They had a whole conversation about turning into the fish and making sure it was okay to turn into the fish and blah, blah, blah. Then they just like turn into ants without any practice just and throw themselves in there. They weren't on a time limit. They invented this plan. They decided to do this. There was no time limit on this. They could have practiced. They could have put one of them in a Petri dish and all watched. Where I'm going to give them a little bit of credit is uh, Marco and Jake have a little conversation before that, and we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but we'll handle it. Marco doesn't want to turn into an ant, and Jake is like, dude, I turned into a flea. It was fine. It's a very basic, like, bug minds aren't bad. Easy, able. He was so easily able to control it. That it must be fine. And he drew a false analogy. But I'm sorry. They're smarter than this. They no, knew they were going not. into a hive mind. Yes, they are. One of them would be. One of them would have been smarter than we're just going to throw ourselves into a hive mind. Clearly, there's going to be no issues whatsoever. Come on. Two things. One, again, just pinpointing how educated they are and how old they are. Very difficult. I find it hard to say what they would or wouldn't know. I want the to other, say 14, 15. Otherwise, yes, I'm uncomfortable. However, they also have no access to the Internet. There's a lot of weird little information, like the way an ant brain works. I was never taught that in school. That's information I absorbed from exposure to like reading shit online. And like, even if you weren't 100 percent sure about it, even if you didn't have a red flag going into it. Yeah, there was no reason not to just have one do it. None whatsoever. Then let's dial back this conversation. What I'm saying is not that they shouldn't have tested it. I'm saying they had a leg to stand on in terms of, I know what I'm walking into, this one will be fine. And then they made a poor decision because 
a thing that we know from psychological research is that children tend not to weigh consequences as heavily. So if they have any indication that it should be fine, the assumption becomes it will be fine. I will accept that as long as they learn a lesson from this time and apply that in the future. Now because we'll see at how it goes. Point, yeah, at this point, they better have effing learned. Yeah, you would hope. The other books have been like, okay, that's a little disturbing. That's a little worrying. This one was a fucking horror show from the beginning to the mm -hmm. end. And if I was like nine or 10 reading this, I would have had nightmares. I would have woken my mom up at like 2 a.m. screaming that I was being eaten by an ant. I read this this one at like 11. No, you wouldn't. Really? It, it doesn't even land the horror of it. It's just like, oh, the ants attacked. Yeah, that's that's fair. Ants swarm things. I don't know. It was really descriptive. It was, but that's the thing I see reading back on these is when I'm a kid, you read the descriptions and it is event driven. It is just right. like you aren't experiencing the same level of empathy or trying to interpret or really understanding in the same way that you do now. Half a page of dialogue where they're literally screaming for their lives. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like it's going to register it's a, a little bit. scary one. It really is. It's good, though. It's it was well good. written. And again, when she is thinking about the mindset, like like the lobster was blind. They could only sense this way. The ants feel like this. They're overwhelmed by that. It all feels so right, minus the dolphin shit that she was just didn't want to do. Yeah. But everything else feels so right that it just like yeah. it sucks you right into that moment. Speaking of moments, uh, let's let's handle them chronologically. All right, fair enough. You've also just referenced the lobsters, and they have no idea what you're talking about out there in listener land. Yes, they have, because they've all read the books. No one is listening to this who's never read the books. There's no way. You never know. It might be someone who, like me, read them fucking 20 years ago and just... Or maybe he's reading along for the first time. However you found us, welcome. God, you're such a dork. <laughs> So the initial onset of the plan is if we're going to get a Yerk ship, we need to basically be able to hijack a Yerk ship. So what right. they do is they decide they're going to build a Yerk distress beacon from pieces they can get at, at Radio, Radio Shack. Shack. Like they're fucking E.T. Yeah. Uh, for the record, Radio Shack was a store <laughs> right. where you could buy pieces to build like radios and stuff. It was like Best Buy, but for pieces instead of finished product. There was a point where they go to the mall and within like a paragraph, they name check Radio Shack, Circuit City, The Limited, and Sears. <laughs> like yeah. There's this just Bunch time of capsule that of stores do not that, exist. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then she references Starbucks and then follows up with that place you get coffee because it was early enough that she had to explain what Starbucks was. The only time they seem to have any precision to their plan is bringing Axe to the mall to get the parts where they're like, all right. It takes X three minutes to morph. He's going to start morphing at 12 after 10 at 12, 15. He'll be done. We'll go get on the bus. We'll take the bus. It should arrive at this time. We'll have an hour and a half there. And then we can get on the 1130 home and everything will be fine. It isn't fine. It's never fine. No, no. That was way too close of a timetable to rely on public transportation in America. <laughs> that was a bad move. Not to mention just the fact that they get in and immediately Axe is gone. Just winds up in the line at Starbucks, buys himself a double latte. Axe is trouble. Like, that's a lot for a 12-year-old body. That's too much caffeine, and it shows. I don't understand a society that's not motivated 
by the pleasures of food. Like that doesn't really fit yeah. in my head well. The fact that he's never tasted anything, and I guess it makes sense. Tasting with your feet would be gross. So I guess that does make sense. Yeah. But it's just, it's bizarre to think that he's never had that experience before. He goes and gets the coffee and they have to explain to him how to use the plastic lid on top of the cup. Like, no, no, no. Get, there's a little hole there. Align the hole with your mouth. Okay, there you go. And Axe's reaction is, oh, what's this the body has another sense it's doing things when i interact with this mouth there was a particular line i have wanted to try other mouth uses and no one laughed which which like maybe they are 12 13 because if they were 14 or 15 that would definitely have gotten a laugh that would have been a moment of just uncomfortable eye contact and then following it up with axe please never say those words in that order again (laughs) exactly They get him his coffee. They bring him to Radio Shack. They're going through and picking things up, and they're like, all right, this is good. Now the only thing I need is the uh, Z-Space transponder. And everybody goes, I'm sorry, the what? And we get the the final, like, this is how the Andalites do it. He just rattles off, you know, zero space. Zero space. That's their subspace. The dimension where faster than light travel is possible. Anti-reality that lives beneath ours. You know, the opposite of true reality right basically they talk and send their ships through the upside down that's more or less what he said it's it's nightcrawler rules you just travel through hell it's faster wait is that where space satan comes in is space satan in zero space and zero space is hell i do not remember one of the things that i don't know if we've talked about this on air but like one of the things i've been realizing is uh how much of this I either missed or didn't know. I read these books out of order. When I was a kid, I picked up a couple of the Animorphs books because they were just thrown at me at some point. And then I picked up the first few because we had a Scholastic book fair. Uh, That was a thing in the early aughts in the 90s. Man, they were the best. They were great. They were great. It was basically they brought a bookstore to the school and then, you know, you would go buy books. And they would charge you nothing. Like, this one's a quarter. It was pretty fucking cheap. Then we would go through and over my childhood, it would just be like you go into the bookstore and you see the row of Animorphs books and you would just go like, huh, well, I definitely haven't read that one yet. Right. What's available? And so you would just pick something up. And even then there were books where I probably looked at them, hadn't read them, but they had like an animal on the cover. There's a shark one. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I read a shark one. It might have been the dolphin one. I don't know. I definitely haven't read the German shepherd one. And then you just go with whatever you got. And they are written in a way where you can just you can, you can sort just of enjoy drop them in and on out. their own. Yeah, but there's also a very clear through line that you miss out on a little bit. The point here being my timeline for when events occur and why and the how is it's fuzzy. And there's right. some things where I'm there might be an answer that I don't know, or it might be a thing that is never touched on. And honestly, I don't really know what the deal with Space Satan is, right. aside from the fact that he is an antagonist to gamer space god and right part of the cause of this whole thing looking forward to all of that also uh for our listeners i have begun live tweeting when i'm reading these books and i'm just looking through some of the things i was shouting out and one of the things that struck me is like okay the mole scene gets a lot worse it does 
which is why you should, you know, maybe let us keep on a single track Sorry. so that we can get to the things you want to talk about. Sorry, go, go, go. Starbucks happens. They get out. They're talking about the sense of taste. They're talking about how Axe is like slowly piecing together the fact that the sense of smell and the sense of taste are linked in some way. And then they immediately lose him again because <laughs> he catches a whiff of Cinnabon. Yeah, which valid. And this is going to be a thing for the rest of the series because Axe loses his mind, runs through the food court, stealing food and just shoving it into his mouth. There is a point where he is being restrained by security guards, pulling him back and screaming about how good the cinnamon buns are. For younger people who probably have never been in a mall, let me explain. <laughs> like, if you've ever gone to a Krispy Kreme... I feel like malls are still a thing. Around. There's no way they've been to a mall with a Cinnabon. I just don't think they have. I could be wrong on this. I don't think they have. But even if they have, I don't think they're as good. But there was a time where if you've ever been to a Krispy Kreme when they've got the red light on and they're literally just pulling those donuts right off the conveyor belt where they're still warm and they just vanish in your mouth in this explosion of sugar and lightness. If you took that and made it better and made it more substantial and you had to cut into it and it was just syrupy and sweet and amazing and warm, that's what a Cinnabon was. And they were literal crack. Like people would have fights over Cinnabons and they were in every mall. You could not get away. The second you walked in, it was the first smell was that Cinnabon. You could get it from any entrance all the way through Sears. Get drawn right to it. Eventually, as they're trying to drag Axe out, and Axe is now trying to escape because he's being captured on a planet that he knows is controlled by, at least partially, by Yerks, yep. freaks out and starts to demorph in the middle of the mall. Middle of the fucking mall in the food court. So suddenly, one of the security guards near Marco just goes, an Andalite. And immediately everyone goes, oh no, somebody with a gun is a yerk, and we all fuck off. And the final plan is run into the supermarket. They run into the grocery store, and they're trying to find somewhere to hide. What they eventually realize is, oh, I've got a plan. And they run to the lobster tank. <laughs> the first of their, okay, no, sorry, the second, because the mall was the first really Bad dumb plan. plan. Yeah. This is a very bad plan they'd never been lobsters they gain it right there and then they jump in without ever testing it they can't see it, it was it was such a bad plan honestly it would have been the death of them were it not for the fact that fact that axe can keep track of time and even then they're trying to stay in morph as long as possible to make sure no one's looking for them what they don't realize is that they've been purchased in a bag with ice so they get sleepy and they kind of lose track of shit yeah, and with a couple minutes left, Marco is nearly cooked in a woman's home, and they basically just turn back into an alien and two boys, and then three boys, and then they just look at her and go like, don't tell anybody about don't this. Don't tell anyone, yeah. No one will believe you. <laughs> it's a dream. Why don't they just at that at that point just reach out and like stun her and like acquire her, right? And then like knock her out or whatever happens. And then like, it's at least it's something as opposed to like, shh. And then just walking out the fucking door. <laughs> also the way that they described it, where like Marco was going to be killed. However, when he was trying to shift back, his mouth formed first. He wasn't able to speak, but the woman saw a lobster spontaneously sprout a human mouth and flipped the fuck out. 
So they get their stuff. It's not, I'm not 100% clear on how they stashed their electronics, but they get everything back and decide, okay, the last thing we need is a Z space transponder. And the only way we can get that is we need some sort of your communication device that can speak to the ships in orbit. And they know one place where that can happen, and that's Chapman's house. That was a great throwback. Yeah. I'm really happy about that. They have the whole conversation of like, no, 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 no. Any sort of communication apparatus is going to have redundant systems. So if we steal one from his set, then it shouldn't actually be noticeable for a while. Right. We should be able to get away with it. Bad plan. Bad assumption. Really bad assumptions, frankly. I mean, fair assumption, depending on how many redundant systems, right? Because they're... No. Their plan is to steal the thing so that they can immediately steal a ship so that Axe can be out of there. By the time the Yerks notice the ship has already been stolen, they're already gone, and they've realized what happened. That's fine. There's no way that redundancy would suggest that there wouldn't be a system in place that would notice if the thing was missing. It's just a bad logical assumption to make. I mean, there are plenty of systems that don't have stuff like that. I think, I think you're not wrong, but also that's... At I don't this think point, it's as dire as you think it is. I'm just saying, at this point, you should be assuming the worst in every situation. I'm on, like, like Marco, like, I'm completely on his side. You should be assuming the worst at every point right now. Except everything has worked out for them, except for Tobias. Right, except for Tobias. And that's a big fucking what? Although I guess they have, like, a human clock now. Not a human clock, but an alien clock. Yeah. So they're not so worried about it. Yeah. But even Marco was like... Just looking at to, at Tobias reminded him every time, like, that is my biggest fear. I don't want that to happen to me. They decide that the best way to get in, because they can't use the cat again, because if they use the cat again, then it might point to... Emotionally traumatize that poor girl, yeah. Well, not even emotionally traumatize. If the cat is acting weird again, and they know it's an Andalite thing, and they didn't kill the cat the first time around... They'll definitely kill the cat this time. They'll definitely kill the cat, and they'll definitely make the daughter a controller. God, what's her fucking name? Melissa. Melissa Chapman. They're trying to keep Melissa safe. So what they decide is we're going to go in as ants because we need to get directly into the basement. So we're just going to go through the dirt, which also is does not account for concrete foundations. But hey, fine, whatever. They go through an established ant tunnel that's not theirs and they know it's not theirs. This was I can forgive maybe they don't understand hive minds. I can forgive maybe they felt like they had to do this quickly. I can forgive that maybe, okay, ants get in a house. This seemed logical. Once they got to the point where they knew it wasn't their goddamn tunnel and they're just plunging headfirst into it and I'm just screaming like, no, do not do this. I would say that until they're coming back out of the house, I'm more or less with them. Because, yeah, they have a bit of a problem where they shift and experience pure and true ego death. Horrifying. In this world, I don't know how biologically true it is, but this isn't even like I did LSD ego death where I am one with the universe. This is annihilation of the concept of the self completely. We are the hive. The hive is all. It was described in a horrifying way. Absolutely horrifying. Like I was, I felt claustrophobic, for a half of this book, just like yep. pressed up against my bed with blankets around me, just just did not feel comfortable. That's funnily enough how I read them the first time, too, uh, <laughs> except I was like 11. 
So yeah, they have their ego death moment. Tobias basically is screaming at them the whole time to pull their shit together. They finally do, and they're like, no, 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 we won't get another shot at this. Like, this is too risky. We go through with it. They get into the house. Everything is fine. The entire time, they're like, we're in enemy territory. We can smell the pheromones. We know this is someone else's hive, but that'll be fine. We just got to get the thing and get out. At which point, they get the transponder, and then rather than, like, trying to take it and like put it on a windowsill and then turn into ants and just leave through a crack or whatever. They go back through through the tunnels, the tunnels that they know are not theirs that have been fine so far. And they are viciously attacked by an entire colony of ants swarming in through the walls, digging in new tunnels, just covering them and trying to tear them apart. Every one of them loses limbs uh, as they're trying, like as a last ditch almost effort. cut in half. One's almost decapitated. They finally start calling for the demorph while they're like outside underground in the tunnels. Marco is describing the pincers around him, squeezing him and the feeling of like being bisected. Yeah. And then they pop out of the dirt, fully formed human children just on the ground. Marco grabs the fucking transponder and like, okay, good mission successful, except all of them experience what it was like to be a single ant swarmed by an entire colony and torn apart. So that's not going to have any sort of traumatic knock on effects. And that's like five minutes after Marco literally almost stepped on Jake and just ended his story right there. What a ruined a solid sixth of the books. <laughs> Can you imagine if that's just how he ended? <laughs> just peeled him off his toe. Like, oh shit. Sorry, Jake. Sorry, bud. You know, these things happen. So many things could go wrong. Yep. But yeah, it was horrifying. It was horrifying. And at that point, quite understandably, Marco's like, fuck it. I'm done. That's it. That was way too much. I am done. We are going to finish this mission and I'm never doing this again. He actually goes and hands in his letter of resignation, talks to Jake and is like, we're not doing this anymore. Like you guys can keep going, but I can't do this. To his credit. Jake just accepts it. He's like, yeah, you're right. You're completely right. This was a disaster. It was also prefaced by one of the most frank conversations we've ever seen Marco have about, you know, hey, you know what this Sunday is? This Sunday is the second anniversary of us finding my mom's empty boat. We had a boat. His dad used to be like a scientist or an engineer, great paying job. And his mom took the boat out for the night without either of them, which was a little weird because normally we go on family boating trips. But she went out into the middle of a fucking storm and then the boat came back shattered and we never found her. Yeah, I actually made a note of this. I'm like, that is fucking sus. There's no way that's not going to pay off in the future somehow. I just didn't know how soon. Yeah, so we have that conversation and Marco makes it abundantly clear to Jake again, that feeling of just like, I've seen how this broke my dad. If I didn't come home, especially this close to my mom's death, like I just, I can't do that. Especially like they'll never find my body. I'll die and there will be no body just like my mom. And I was like, fucking hell, Abigail, give the kids a chance to breathe here. Jake accepts it and they decide to finish up the plan. We're going to call down a bug fighter with uh, Axe's finished remote control. We're going to all go into our toughest morphs. And this is our first time, I think, we've got the full array of battle morphs where we have... Yeah, I got the elephant and the ape and the lion. It's it's a tiger. Red-tailed hawk. Elephant or grizzly bear later. Uh, that's Rachel's other go-to. That's a good one. Gray wolf, 
a tiger, a gorilla, the red-tailed hawk, obviously, because Tobias, uh, and Axe, whose ass is a knife. So, like, right, who is an Andalite, yeah. Fair enough. You just used your body. And immediately they find out that somehow they've, like, like this whole thing didn't work. Yeah. Oh, gosh, really? It didn't. Your Radio Shack parts and breaking into the vice president, like, didn't work. I mean, the vice principal didn't work, huh? You accidentally triggered something, huh? It did work in that they got the ship down, but it's never actually made particularly clear how they know that it's a trap. It was. They triggered something. They mentioned like. Yeah, they tripped an alarm. Yeah, they tripped an alarm. Exactly. They fumbled a roll and they tripped an alarm and it's a complete trap. They are in like a canyon surrounded by a hundred guys with lasers like they're fucked. So they get caught. They got brought up and they are confronted by Visser 3 who laughs maniacally and does a villain monologue and then immediately turns turns around and goes, you see, you thought I was a fuck up, but I brought them in. And Visser 1 comes walking onto the screen. Yeah. The uh, Yurk who planned the invasion of Earth, who's responsible for the entire thing in the first place, uh, took a human controller uh, to make sure that they would understand the ins and outs of human society and be able to integrate and orchestrate the invasion as best as possible. It just so happens that that human controller is also Marco's mom. Marco's mom, who he sees in animal form, so doesn't know who he is. And Jake also instantly knows that's Marco's mom because Jake knows Marco's mom and they're the only two. The others don't realize who this is and Marco doesn't tell anyone. Nope. Marco falls on his ass in gorilla form and you just get Jake going like, get up. Yeah. Get the fuck up. Don't let them know. You're acting weird. If they notice, you're going to kill us all. Like you need to stand up now. You're going to get your dad killed. Get the fuck up, Marco. So Marco stands up and one of them goes like, that's weird. And, you know, but we move on. We have the entire conversation and it's made abundantly clear that Visser one is the brains of the operation. And she has shown up from the Yurk home world because Visser three is enough of a fuck up and has dropped the ball over and over again. <laughs> we also so now- find out that there are 47 Vissers and like Visser 47 must be a bitch. <laughs> Because that is a long line of succession. Visser 3 and Visser 1 do not like each other at all. No, no, not at all. It's very clear that he just got this rank or this position because he got an Andalite. That is explicitly correct. Yes, he is not in any way meaningfully competent. There is an entire book walking through how he got this particular Andalite. And what it boils down to is... Right place, right time. This is not a general. This is a dipshit who fell ass backwards into success. And as it would happen, it turns out that Vissers, the the Yerks in general, seem to appreciate spite above all, all else. They really do. They're sitting there in their cage after having been shown to Visser 1 as this great prize. And they're talking. And again, Tobias is... Doing the whole, like, listen, I'm going to die here. It's fine. The rest of you, like, this isn't airtight going back out into the ship. So if you guys want to turn back into ants, you can sneak out. You can find a way home. I was so mad they were turning into ants again. And so they're getting ready to turn into ants. And then the door opens and the guard is dead. And there's a Hork-Bezier controller 
sitting there going like, all right, so what you're going to do is you're going to leave through this door. You're going to go down the hallway to the left. You're going to go to the drop shaft. You're going to go down 15 floors. You're going to shut up. Don't interrupt me. You're going to go to the end of the hallway. There's going to be one of them is already one of the escape pods is already programmed to take you back to exactly where you left from get out. And they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. They look at it. He's wearing there are red and black controllers and gold and black controllers based on their uniforms. And some work for Visser 3, some work for Visser 1. This is one of Visser 1's guys who's just like, no, if he actually brings in the Andalites, then, you know, that'll be a big win for him. And I'm not going to have that. So you're going to escape. But why not just take them yourselves? Like, like that was a big jump to say, like, here, we're going to let you guys break out. At first, I thought they were rebels, but they're not. They just want to fuck with the other guys. Yeah. But just take them or kill them and take in the bodies. Like, how is letting them escape one of the options? If I had to guess, if I were running this as a game and I were explaining this, the paper trail exists. I guess. The alarm went off. Visser 3 responded to it. Visser 3 set this up and captured them and then brought Visser 1 in and told them. So to convincingly do that, you have to undo all of that and make it believable that it was your work and not his. That's a lot of work. If you are yeah. not sufficiently invested, if you're sitting there like, no, the worst case scenario is the humans find out about it. And we have to take it by force and the stealth invasion goes wrong. But that's going to fall entirely on three's head. Right. Or... I now know that we have the Andalites and we've had them in custody. One of them is a fucking child. I'll just capture them again myself. And that actually gives her reason. I'm now here, so I might as well like make it worth my time. If I can capture these, then I get one up on three. I can maybe find an excuse to behead him. And then I can cover him. And once I cover him, it's he looks weaker and I look stronger. I get, that is some long game shit, but it is a little risky. <laughs> It's a little bit risky because we're not talking one Andalite. We're talking five Andalites, five of them that they let go. Except one of them is a child. And again, that was the that was the thing that I think Visser 3 called out. And they're looking at him. He said it a couple of times. Like, why aren't you guys turning back? Why is the child the only one who's turned back? Something is off. And they're looking at it. If I had to guess, like, because I also happen to know some things that Visser 1 is going to pull in the future. She is clever. Sure. And that's that's the thing is she clued in. We have a child in Andalite form and five who are acting strangely. Something is wrong. I don't think these are adult Andalite soldiers. That's fair. That's a fair assumption to make. Which, if anything, makes it even funnier that Visser 3 is fucking up. Because he lost children. Because no, he's losing no, the children true. and that's funny. She's Visser 1. She's going to play it a long game, so I'll give it to her. You know, the other thing about that is that, unfortunately, again, I'm listening to the audiobook versions of these, which are brilliantly made and for free by fans. So what a wonderful thing. The heavy Latino accent may be a bit too far for this particular character. And yeah. I'm like, oh, it's like, oh. Otherwise than that, really, really, in fact, well done. Like there's a lot of cool spaceship sounds in this one. And there's always a neat little animation on the YouTube thumbnail. So it's pretty amazing. There's links to it in our episode descriptions. They also were very explicit this time that I think for the first time that Marco is explicitly Hispanic and it's on his mom's side. His dad is. They don't specify what kind of white. He's just white. <laughs> yeah. Do you need to? No, you don't. I'm betting like you like a like an Irish slash German kind of thing. Yeah. That's that's the feel I got. Yeah, they get out. They go down on the ship, and it's basically like, okay, we've just realized how fucked up this situation is. 
you know, Axe is now a little bit more resigned to being in the fight. Axe and, or sorry, Marco and Jake have the conversation of like, hey, so yeah, I was going to quit, but um, yeah, they got my mom. So I am on board 100% up for a, he literally says like, I don't care what it takes. I don't care how far I have to go. I don't care. Maybe I have to, yep. I have to kill. I am getting my mom back. Yep. And then I think that gives him some either strength or hope or courage enough to break out and like push a little bit of that wall aside between him and his dad. Yeah. And they have that really nice moment at the end. Yeah. He and his dad go and visit his mom's grave. And while they're sitting there, his dad basically says, Hey, so I talked to uh whatever his name was. Is it one-off character they mentioned the name of yeah. but basically it was like like i said his dad used to be some sort of scientist or engineer and fell apart after his wife died and fucking fair and he's now working for a temp agency so sometimes he's moving boxes sometimes he's working as a janitor but like their income has dropped and he's not taking care of marco the way he should be like the man has fallen he's apart broken in a yeah. way that again is Completely so understandable. fucking reasonable, but yeah. also like if your wife vanishes on a boat, like there's no body, there's no closure. You don't even know why she went. Like, did she leave on purpose? Like, that's a nightmare. Yeah, that's the one that gets me is like for a kid, for Marco, it's his mom and she did something weird and he can't explain it. If you're another adult, like yeah. if your wife went without you and took the boat out into the middle of a storm there's a little bit of you that's going like what did i do because right. my wife oh, just what did i miss killed herself mm -hmm. yeah how did i not see this coming because yeah. what else could you possibly he assume must blame himself so again the fucking hole he falls down it makes so much sense but at the end of this book we get the little bit of like hey it's been two years i have fallen apart i got a hold of my old boss i'm gonna go for a meeting with him we're gonna talk about what we can do to get me you know properly back to work i haven't been doing great for you but i'm gonna try to pull things around and, you know, I think Marco makes some little cutesy joke. They have a nice little hug and everything's good. And Marco and they just go and play there. video games. They talk about playing Doom. It was some joke about like, oh, yeah, you know, got to work with computers. And he's like, you don't know anything about computers. <laughs> what are you talking about? I've been working with com I've forgotten more about computers than you'll ever know. <laughs> then why do I always kick your ass at Doom? Yeah. yeah. It was great. It was a yeah. perfect father and son moment. It felt it lovely. very normal for them. Mm -hmm. Probably for the first time in quite some time. Very, very sweet ending. We have my my perpetual gripe, which again, I recognize in the context of these. I'm trying to read these as a long series, and they were written as individual books. So I want an indication of what is happening in the next book. I have to just come to terms with the fact that these are pure episodic. We also have to eat through like five pages of, okay, yeah, that's the recap. This is the recap from his point of view. Now we're going to get that one more time. Like It's like the Batman story. Like every single time you got to see the pearls fall yeah. before we can get into the main core of it. But she deals with it pretty quickly. I will say though, like at least for these first couple of books, and I don't think we're going to get an axe book for a while. So they're not going to be valuable in that way for a little bit. But every time they've done it, it does feel unique. It is very good for establishing your narrator. You get something new. 
and you figure out who they are pretty quickly, just depending on how they see everything. Plus, you've also already heard how the characters have seen them. So now you're just seeing the other side of it, which is neat. I've been basically trying to like pad out like Marco will come around. It's going to be fine. This like even if you didn't have me telling you, hey, this is why Marco is behaving this way. The beginning of this book is like the rest of them sound like military people. You know, this is my first name. My name is Jake. I can't tell you my last name. That's because this is all bad and this is what's going on. Marco is the first one who comes in and goes, my name's Marco. Can't tell you my last name. I can't tell you where I'm from. I fucking wish I could. And I'm not even going to confirm that my first name is my first name. I'm not going to tell you that my name is Marco for sure. Because I would love to tell you that my name is, what was it, like Marco McGuire or something like that. That'd be a good name. That would be fantastic. But I can't tell you that. Yeah. It's the first one to come from a place where it legitimately feels like human desperation. And you're also reminded that Marco was just the dude that wanted to hang out at the arcade and yeah. poke fun at his best friend. Like that was Marco's, you know, high, high line moment. That's what he wanted to do. Yeah. But no, now we can turn into animals. <laughs> yeah. Now I know that my best friend's brother is a fucking double agent secretly trying to infiltrate my species so that my planet can be destroyed. And it's my dead mom's fault. <laughs> you know? Shit. Again, I don't know if you you mentioned it yet or if it was mentioned in the book, but it immediately starts calling into question. How long? How long? Right. Because she must have been before she got on the boat because the boat was clearly the way for her to exit whatever she yeah. was because she had to go on to the next step. It, of it was a staged death for her to escape, which implies that at least for a couple of weeks, but maybe years. No, it can't be weeks. It's got to be years. And Marco's mom died two years ago. So let's let's uh, let's assume on the outside he's 15. So two years ago, now he's 13. That plan was probably in motion for three years. So now he's 10. Like, how far back does that go? And you're left sitting there like all of Marco's living memories of his mom aren't real. They aren't real. And we don't know how far that goes back because that's the other thing. We know that she had a human controller to be able to sort of plan this better and all that to get a feel for it. But it also could have been a different human. It could have been. It could have been one of those things where it's just like, this one gets burned. All right, I need a fresh one. Grab that one. Okay, cool. And then she was, he was Marco's mom for a week. Who knows? But she's been Marco's mom now for two years, minimum. So clearly there was something special about this form or something that the Yerk just preferred. She talks about it specifically in that frame of like, why didn't you just take a human controller? You learn more about the people you're infiltrating. It'll make you better at your job. And he's like, what are you talking about? I have an Andalite. I'm basically the best. And she brushes him off. Is like, ah, yes, that's right. I forgot. You're a dumb piece of shit. Yeah, he's basically a jock. He yeah. approaches everything like, no, I'm the physical strongest and there's nothing else to worry about. She's like, no, dude, you got to know the people you're controlling. This is why you can't get anything done. We do also get uh, just pure confirmation that uh, Visser 3 is a cat person. Yes, yes. Which makes me kind of like him a little bit. I'm looking not over lie. the array of battle morphs and he <laughs> sees like Jake snarls uh, the, at him. The tiger. I like that one. I'm going to get one of those later. 
He's so campy about it too. He's like, ah, oh, yes, I prefer your your magnificent creature. He's all kind of like mustache twirly. I right. love that guy. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, I'm psyched. This is the first time again. Like, I was excited after the last one, but I didn't start reading right away. I have been waiting for us to talk about it so I can immediately start reading the next one. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm just pulling up what the next one is right now. The next one is The Capture. Oh, that can't be good. <laughs> it is Jake and the cover is a housefly. And that's what you get. Fuck no. Oh, these idiots. These goddamn moron kids. All right. I'll listen to whatever stupid plan Jake has to turn into a fucking fly. <laughs> It'll be fine, probably. It'll be two and a half pages of, boy, this shit is delicious. No, I can't eat shit. Oh, no. I have to vomit on my food. Yeah, uh, that's not where the horror is going to come from this time. Shut up. Okay, stop, stop. I don't hear it. I'm, I'm, I'm already thinking like he's going to have like a thousand eyes and bullshit. Okay, done. We will see yep. you all next time. Thank you for joining us for Podspeak. Animorphs was written by K.A. Applegate. Our show is edited by Aram, and our theme music is composed by Kai Engel. For more information about us, ways to support the show, and to hear all of the podcasts we produce, head over to deadghostpro.com. And remember, the controllers are everywhere. everywhere.